good afternoon, good evening, and uh, fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he takes one br- one break, and everything's fucked. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody out there listening. And welcome to Shouting Into the Void, our nerdy little podcast where we answer the hypothetical questions you never even knew that you had. My name is Mike. And I'm Cody. And this week's question is, can we build a castle defense team? He's back. All right, folks. Yes, I am back. I have returned. Uh, big thank you to Carrie and Jace for filling in for me. Uh, you know, I, I would like to point out that it did take two people to fill in for my absence. You got big um, shoes to fill. Uh, you know, you know what they say about guys with big shoes, big feet. Anyway, big um, socks. Big socks. Uh, the hit they hired to try to take me off the podcast and usurp my throne here alongside you <laughs> failed. I am no worse the wear. Uh, we're we're back. We're here. Um, and we got business to talk about. That's right. Folks, there are a few ways you can support the pod, and we're going to go over them really quickly because we uh, are once again asking for your support. The first way is through interacting with pod, the pod, not just a pod, on social media. We are on most social media at SITV Pod. Our link tree is in the description. You can find all of our stuff there. If you could be so kind as to give us a like, a comment, a rating, a review, a follow, a subscribe, a share, anything like that on whatever podcast service you're listening to this to on and whatever social media you use, we would really, really appreciate it. It makes a huge difference to us. It helps grow the algorithm and it gets us in front of more people as they search for podcasts that they enjoy. The second way you can support us is through word of mouth. If you have someone in your life that you think would like the pod, please share it with them. Uh, coworkers, friends, family, uh, mortal enemies, your hairstylist, your gym buddy, your dog, any anything like that, anyone. Tell them about an episode you think they'd like and uh, you know, get them listening. They're either going to stop talking to you or they're <laughs> going to start listening to the pod and laugh about it with you. We, uh, we've both ran into people in our lives. Cody, you fairly recently... You know, if you want to, if you want to shout out the couple of pretty cool dudes you you ran into that were pod fans recently, yeah, definitely. A big shout out here to both Alec and Josh. It was awesome to meet you guys in person. I felt like a real celebrity, and uh, it was really cool. Um, met a couple of uh, fans of the podcast that I had never met before, and got to kind of talk the pod with them a bit, and it was it was a ton of fun. So, uh, and it was a a cool experience that we don't get a ton of. So it was, uh, right. it was a lot of fun. Right. And someday they'll be able to say, I met Cody before Mike before and Cody were cool. the most successful podcast <laughs> on earth. So you guys are getting in on the ground floor or something. And that's the chance the rest of you have as well. So please share the pod with people in your life. The third and final way to support the pod. If you guys have both the motive and the means to do so is by supporting us financially on Patreon. What do they get Cody? Yeah, you can head on over to patreon.com slash SITV. Uh, we have one tier over there. It's $5 a month. And for that 5 bucks, you get yourself an extra bonus mini episode every week. They come out on Fridays. They're at least a half hour long. They uh, 
most of them go about 45 minutes though uh give or take because we love you guys that much yeah that's right well mike and i have a lot to talk about and so we basically just hit record we're quite a bit more relaxed over there and just um have fun talking about all sorts of things uh we don't really structure an episode like we do here with a you know question or anything like that uh but they all have some kind of theme so we do uh some little lore dumps or talk about games that we're playing or books that we're reading, or we try to get Mike back into watching uh, MCU content, uh, which I'm, was I'm, I'm through the four most episodes recent of Loki episode. now. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that is we're great. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> we, uh, but yeah, we just hit record, have a good time over there. Uh, it is uh, much more kind of Mike and Cody uncut and uh, just kind of, you know, we let our hair down over there. And uh, it's literally the kind of conversations you would get if we were at a quiet bar just talking yep. shit or like all sitting on the couch drinking or, you know, having a party. Yep. Like the number of times I turn to Cody and ask like, hey, you ever think about this aspect <laughs> of like a, a, a franchise we love? And he's like, oh, my God, dude, <laughs> all the time, all all the time. <laughs> Not a day goes by. <laughs> Uh, but you can go on over to the Patreon. Uh, you can check out the first episode for free. That's Mike talking about KOTOR, uh, which is a game that he uh, holds near and dear to his heart. And uh, it's a great episode. Hopefully that one gets you hooked and we'll see you in there. We have 58 episodes out there right now with that. Your first month subscription for $5 would get you 58 Patreon episodes that you can listen to. That's right. If you want more SITV in your life, you can Disney Plus us. You can subscribe binge and cancel and we won't judge you for it because we, we know won't. times are tough and life is hard sometimes and uh you know we just want to make people laugh we're uh we're appreciative of anybody who uh considers joining considers helping the pod thank you again to all our current patrons out there you guys are the best you really help us uh support the show and you know make it so that hosting fees and things like that are uh, much less difficult on mike and myself and uh really removes that stress aspect from the show so absolutely you know thank you very much to all our patron current patrons out there you guys are the best yep some of the most sincere stuff we'll say on this pod yeah um, especially today especially today all right i have been excited to do a team builder for a long time we haven't done one in a hot minute it's been a minute yeah yep so let's let's set the scene and we'll lay out some ground rules so people know what we're talking about because today's <laughs> question is can we build a castle defense team? Yeah, I almost thought we were going to change this question, by the way, because really w the way we've kind of both structured our team is mm -hmm. can we defend Helm's Deep? Right. I was going to say, you know, I, I was going to lead off with Helm's Deep, Minas Tirith, King's Landing, Hoth, Hogwarts, the Battle of Chicago. What do these all have in common? They are castle sieges they are strongholds surrounded by enemy armies and invaded they are staunchly defended by the people who consider them to be their homes mm -hmm. or their last stands their last redoubts uh back up against the, the wall back against the wall with nowhere else to go the defenders of these different locales have to dig deep and stand shoulder to shoulder against an invading horde of enemies hell-bent on ending them and everything they stand for. That's where we come in. 
Yeah, because um, we've definitely got the best uh, <laughs> qualifications to pick this team. Look, here, here's what I'm thinking, right? Because when I've picked all of these, I've imagined kind of a mix of like Helm's Deep or Minas Tirith mainly because those are some of the most iconic sort of wall defense scenes in, mm-hmm. uh, in fiction. Uh, and I've imagined it as, for some reason, these characters that we've picked are all in this location at, at, at this point in time. Sure. But everybody else there is your regular old medieval peasant, man-at-arms, uh, woman-at-arms. Everyone else is just like normal Lord of the Rings people that were in those scenes. The Fellowship yeah, exactly. ain't home. You've got like a small, you've got a small resistance-based army, basically men who are able to pick up a sword along with men and women who are trained in the sword. And then like basic, like, I don't want to say peasants, but citizens maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. who are kind of waiting in the wings, praying that uh, the siege is not successful. And then there's us, the other guys. <laughs> yep. Uh, and- or our team. <laughs> our team is there, and they need to contribute to and lead the defense of the castle. Uh, so the ground rules here for most of the team-building episodes we've done, just for folks at home playing along, right? We usually pick five, sometimes six roles. In this case, it's five. For each role, you need to pick a primary character and a backup in case the other guy chooses your character first. Right. And none of your five main choices can repeat universes. So you can't do an all Star Wars team or an all X-Men team. Right. You got to you got to change it up. And I think that's part of the hilarity factor here, because, you you know, you got to imagine like fucking punisher on the wall next to animaniacs right sure <laughs> like fucking it, it also makes things much more difficult honestly right. like it i didn't find it super difficult this time around but like definitely when we were doing like uh i think the heist we followed the same rules uh yep or the small council or small council too like that it makes it it gives it a nice little uh little challenge a little extra yep. little extra difficulty modifier out there a little extra heat for those Hades sure. fans out there. Hey, <laughs> here's another challenge though. Here's another thing I'm going to do for the, uh, the modifier, right? Mm-hmm. We need to, when we're pitching these to each other, we need to dig deep into our dungeon master descriptive resources, right? Okay. And we need to describe these characters to each other as if we are, uh, soldiers on the wall next to this character or we're in the fortress and we see this character oh boy so like like if i was describing a character to you i would be like uh you hear a voice shouting make way make way through the corridor uh the main hallway of the fortress and you hear uh pounding almost galloping feet from around the corner you flatten yourself into an alcove as the this massive furred red blur runs around the corner is that a dog (laughs) (laughs) and then you introduce clifford right yeah so i think that could be a lot of fun i can do Uh, my best if if that's okay i can do my best you don't have to (laughs) i can do my best i'm i'm springing this on him last minute folks i I didn't tell him about it but that's all right we'll we'll do what we can i'm ready what order do you want to go in? Do you want, or do you want to tell people the roles that we've picked? We got We got to introduce. We, the, to start. we got to introduce the categories first. So you want to yep. go through them? Uh, sure. So we have 
the first one on my list here is the quote unquote sniper or uh, eyes on the wall type of character. So this is your, your Legolas uh, in yep. the Helm's Deep type of thing. Uh, someone who is going to be positioned up high, kind of watching the battle unfold and reacting properly uh, while picking off foes from a distance. Right. This this person should be very good with uh, ranged weapons and ranged attacks of some kind. Yep. Uh, Next category. Artillery. So this yep. is, again, just kind of does what it says on the box but this is manning your machines of war um for or or providing fire support sure like you know depending on if they've got powers or what they can do like either physically working with the artillery and ballistas or like being being in that being the artillery and ballistas right (laughs) um the the next one i think is one of my favorites just for the drama yeah, we've called this one uh, Hold the Gate. Uh, yep. But this is the person, uh, if you imagine, again, with the the idea of the attack on Helm's Deep, um, when inevitably the enemy starts to crash the gates or get through the gates, this is the person who is going to be down there in the muck, in the dirt, fighting and holding the line, keeping the resistance, keeping them at bay, uh, and, and helping to uh, keep the enemies out of the stronghold. Yep. Uh, really, really kind of flashy, cool role. Lots of, you know, I'm imagining this playing out like scene cuts from character to character. And yeah. you, know, you go back to them and things slowly get worse for them until uh, the end, which we'll go over. Um, the next category we have is like strategy slash command. Yep. And this is, again, just like a, a your leader, um, the person who is going to be uh, communicating with your forces uh, both before and during uh, to make sure that you have the best opportunity uh, to survive this onslaught. Right. And then finally, look for my coming at first light on the fifth day at dawn. Look to the east. That's, I mean, literally, I have look to the east uh, written down as my role here. We, um, we're we're going with rescue for shorthand, but yes, this is um, this is your savior. Yep, this is when all is lost. They've bre- broken through the gate. You know, they're overrunning Helm's Deep or whatever city you want to you want to put this in, whatever fort. Who or what comes in and saves the day? I don't love that you just said or what, but. We'll see where that goes. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. Would you call? Do you have host- a what? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a what? <laughs> um, well, okay. I-, I said what in the sense of like it might not be an individual. The- it might be an organization like the Rohirrim, right? Sure. In Lord of the Rings, and I like- do imagine that like my because I have a I have an individual on there, but I also imagine that there is like a force. Sure. Uh, and. I guess that'll all make sense, but I don't think Maxi this is a lone big force. I don't think this is a a lone ranger on the hill. I guess unless that's unless you've chosen the lone ranger. <laughs> Damn it, I've chosen the lone <laughs> ranger again. <laughs> all right, I hold silver. Right. Uh, do we want to go? Do we want to start with our commanders, or do we want to start with something more innocent like sniper or artillery? We can we can start with our. I mean, the the battle is going to start with our leader, so it makes sense that we start with our commander. True. Okay, go ahead and start us off, Cody. Um, 
and remember, d- describe if you can. Yeah. So uh, we kind of enter on the overcast day, uh, slowly zooming in on the uh, on the round circular table surrounded by people um, coming in through the battlements of Helm's Deep. Uh, as we zoom in, we see uh, a number of hands and arguing uh, over a battle map, kind of arranging different pieces, moving them around. Um, it's clear that the the general strategy of the battle is starting to unfold. And as general strategy you, of the battle is starting to unfold, that's a long one. Uh, <laughs> Not going there. Uh, anyway, as as that continues, uh, continues going on, two members of this uh, small council start to fight with one another, arguing uh, before a pair of hands kind of slam down on the table. And we pan up from those hands uh, as you hear the uh, the leader here say, we will have to work together if we intend to live long and prosper. And we zoom in on Spock. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. Dude, this is, I, I was not prepared for this. Not bad, right? amazing also that description you killed it oh i'll try my best i'll try my best <laughs> forgets he's been dming curse Strad for three years <laughs> trying uh so yeah i've gone with spock here mm-hmm. um admittedly uh you know i'm not the biggest trek fan to be to be completely honest sure but when you're talking just like being like an extremely smart person uh incredible strategist um, is used to fighting with their backs up against the wall um, against long odds very long odds uh in situations that are unfamiliar to them and having to adapt as well like spock is checking all the boxes man like oh well he, he's he's logical and calculating but he's not cold like most other vulcans because he's a half vulcan right he's got or he's got human blood rather he, he's a yeah he's half Right, yeah. his his mom is Vulcan. Uh, no. I, I don't know if it's half or it's further back in his ancestry, but regardless, he can feel emotions, so he understands. Like he he has that motivation, but he can take right. that fear, that passion, that anger at being forced into this situation, the the righteous fury for defending the innocent, all the reasons that motivated him to join Starfleet. I and, mean, anger's a huge part of it, also. Oh like, yeah, he has a temper. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But that's gonna like play well into this, like. Again, feeling that emotion and having, uh, uh, like, he fiercely cares about the the people of Starfleet, and in this case, I'm going to extend that to the people of Helm's Deep, um, yep. or whatever Tower Siege. I'm just going to keep saying Helm's Deep. It's going to be Helm. By the end of that's it, where this, this is. Be that's where this is taking place in my brain. So yep. that's yep. this is what it is. Yep. Um, but like, fiercely cares about those who he works with or that uh, work for him. I, I don't know. He he's a, a stalwart defender, I would even say. Like he he is the foil and the lancer for James T. Kirk. He mm-hmm. is the perfect first officer. He knows how to command, and he is the one that the leader in charge trusts unquestionably in their absence. Now, I almost chose James Tiberius Kirk. When I wrote yeah. Spock down, I was like, do I want Kirk? But in my mind, this uh, in my mind, Spock fits better here. Uh, 
a, a little bit because of his uh, Vulcan knowledge and just yep. like the the being able to analyze the situation. I was going to say he has the wherewithal and he has the understanding that like he'll he he will make the tough decisions. Right. That's exactly it. Yep. He will sacrifice a squad to shore up the whole line type of thing. Like Definitely. And and Kirk would have trouble doing that at times. He's a he's a no man left behind. If Spock is like people die in war, I don't like it, but I can compartmentalize that till later. Well, and even then like uh, he also like I trust Spock much more to be able to analyze what's happening and and process what's happening in the battle much quicker, and like yep. be able to make that kind of decision in a very short amount of time and maximize yep. the amount of time to respond. Versus I can just picture like Kirk like hand on his head like I, what the, what do I do here you know like how can we win this fight. <laughs> We're just like, all the elves are in Helm's Deep are just like, talk faster, talk faster. Yep. Meanwhile, Spock is just an elf. Um, I was just going to say, like, Spock <laughs> also just looks like one of the elves in Helm's Deep. So we're fucking crushing it so far. Yeah, you're you're nailing it. I, I really like this pick. Uh, damn, you are starting off strong. Like yeah. anyone who because because we can make a couple assumptions here that I want to make sure that we uh, we, we get out there. Mm-hmm. One. Are the rest of our team. And all of the defenders are going to listen to the leader. Like, we're not going to have personality. Like, sure. we might have personality clashes, but if Spock tells fucking somebody to go, they're going to go. Even if they right. don't like it, even if in-universe they would fight, like, even if they would argue, they have to listen to your leader. So right. he's a great leader for that. Definitely, yeah. And again, I kind of picked this on based on, like, IQ slash quick decision-making because yep. I feel like that's what you need in a siege scenario is you need someone who can make those snap decisions because things happen very quickly they get out of hand very quickly and so you need someone who can adapt improvise overcome absolutely uh the second assumption to make too is that they have their default gear so spock has a phaser he has a tricorder he's got a, a data pad or whatever sure uh he's got a communicator and so i'm like i don't know if we want to say they can all like walkie talkie to each other in general or no uh i mean i'll leave that up to you i don't okay. picture my team doing that but okay it doesn't make I've, a huge difference i just think it's kind of cool for banter I've made purposes some, well i've made some picks kind of based on that so i'm going to use some communication to my advantage just That's assuming fine. that this is a helm's deep scenario where there are not communicators right that, that'll that work uh so my uh my commander my strategist uh very similar uh you uh you you cut to a busy hall uh civilians are running around uh gathering supplies people are passing bundles of arrows to each other barrels are being filled with pitch and and tar and torches are being lit and passed and uh you follow uh, this individual you don't see their face but you follow them from behind and you hear their voice saying yes put that over there no we need those up on the wall you know, like making tons of decisions as they walk through this hallway. Uh, the camera rotates around and pans up. You can see this individual is uh, shorter of stature than almost anyone else in the room. Uh, they have uh, like medium length blonde hair uh, and they have a nasty scar twisting across their face. Half their nose is missing. As we look upon the visage of one Tyrion Lannister. Fuck yeah. I love this. 
I mean, witty, inspiring, does not give a fuck. There's yep. nothing like he can get anyone to cooperate. Like, look at him during the defense of King's Landing uh, or the Battle of Blackwater. Right. That's what I mean. The Battle Blackwater of Blackwater Bay. Bay. Yeah. yeah. Like what's what's the quote? There's a lot of brave men out there that are coming to try and take our city. Let's go kill them. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he's, he's going to be able, like he has sympathy for people because he has been like, basically like looked down on his whole life. Definitely. Like he, his heart's in the right place. He's brilliant and scrappy, scrappy can fight. Like yep. he's got a logistical tactical mind. Um, I would love to be a fly on the wall while he and Spock have a conversation. I mean, <laughs> well, I think one thing that Tyrion does really well, uh, especially for a siege defense strategist, is he's not where Spock probably struggles a bit. Tyrion does not hesitate to maybe pull a little dirty maneuver, have a little dirty fight. Not in the slightest will Tyrion hesitate to commit war crimes. I mean, yeah. To your point, like barrels getting filled with pitch and stuff. Like he's not worried about, you know, what no. people think of how he fights. Like, right? He's worried about making sure that they win, right? You know, which yep. is it, an awesome quality. Yeah. That that honestly was kind of one of the main reasons I picked him was I'm like, Tyrion tries to be honorable until honor goes out the window, and then he plays to win. Like he always right. plays to win, but he'll try to avoid humiliating people or being cruel. But against an army of Urukai, no, no punches pulled. Yeah, like, right. None. So, uh, so that's that's my commander. Th another yeah. thing I think for the leadership role that Tyrion brings to the table really well uh, is, I mean, he's an expert politician. Like he's going to be able to garner support onto your side uh, oh, yeah. from maybe some. Uh, other factions that might have been on kind of on the on the fence some fence sitters you know uh, as far as bringing you aid um, so you're saying that like the uh the men that join up on Sauron's side might join up on our side because Tyrion's like I'll pay you <laughs> or even then where it's like hey we need to defend defend Helm's Deep like I know I'm pretty sure this happens in in the movie but it's like uh like we're asking maybe the riders of Rohan I, sure. I don't I don't even think that's it. But like when you're asking those people for Other support groups. and they're like, you know what? I just don't think it's worth our men dying. Like you're going to lose Helm's Deep. You you guys should be retreating, mm -hmm. not pouring more forces into here. And right. I think Tyrion's going to be able to pull them in and convince them that this is a fight worth fighting. Oh, yeah. No. And he's he will be very good at that. Whereas to Spock, it's just logical. Mm hmm. Tyrion knows how to tug at the heartstrings and he he isn't like a natural leader, especially Peter Dinklage Tyrion. Like definitely. Yeah. Big fan of that. Um, so do we want to do a snake draft? Yep, you go next. Okay. I'm thinking maybe I mean, I guess you can go where you want. Sniper or artillery is where I was thinking, but I was also thinking that. Can we agree to leave rescue for last because it's thematic? Rescue's last. Okay. Sniper artillery next and then gate uh because the gate goes down towards the end of the fight when all hope yep. is lost. Okay. Yeah. We have the same brain. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, from Tyrion, it pans up out through the stone corridors of Helm's Deep, out onto the long arc, a sweeping wall, 
above a wide open field at the bottom of a bowl in the mountains. The Urukai army begins its charge, swords clattering, shields slamming against one another, pikes in the air, uh, black and crimson banners flapping in the breeze. Next to you on the wall is a creature unlike anything you've seen before. It's clad in uh, sort of round and curved blue and white armor. Uh, it has, uh, it, it almost looks like it has uh, scales like some sort of dragon, and it has a fringe that kind of curls back. It hefts what looks like a long metal tube and aims down it as if it were uh, aiming down a bow. With almost a quiet whisper of noise, you look out over the field as one of the Urukai commander's heads turns into a fine pink mist. And the individual next to you says, Scratch one! As Garrus Vicarian, Turian sniper, mercenary, and soldier extraordinaire, reloads his high-powered Mass Effect field-driven uh, sniper rifle and takes aim once again. That's good. I like this. I hate that it's Mass Effect, but I do I like know. this. I I I picked it because I knew you might hate it. <laughs> I like but it. Also, I mean, he is Garrus is uh unyielding ally out of the whole game, like all the games, all three of the yep. Mass Effect games. I mean, first off, folks, he's an alien. Um What's what's his race? He is a Turian. Turian. So they are taller than humans. They've got like higher metal content in their bodies. Uh, they're kind of bird-like or avian. Um, and they are very militaristic. Think like if Sparta was a whole species instead of just a country. Uh, so he distinguished himself at a young age, joined the military, uh, and then eventually joins up with Commander Shepard, the main character, and goes along on their adventures. But he is known for being unquestionably loyal. He will never leave a friend behind. He is at your, he's, he's got your back. No questions asked all three games. He'll back you no matter whether you're good or evil. Like he's your ride or die. Yep. He is shown to be an exceptional marksman and sniper. Like, I mean, he's, he's a force on the ground. Like he's, he's handy in a firefight. He gets, he's got hand to hand, but where he's really put all his training and time is into being a sniper. And I just think he'd be a huge asset to have up on the wall. He communicates effectively. He's very tactical. Um, he'd be giving out intelligence and calling stuff out to everybody. And he'd be an asset in tactical planning. You know, he would be kind of a sub commander under Tyrion. Well, he's extremely familiar with the military. I mean, yes. he, he has military experience. This probably isn't the first time he's in a scenario like this. Um, in Mass Effect 2, that's where you find him. He's yeah. pinned himself inside like a penthouse with one entrance and is just posted up above it, shooting anything that comes across the bridge. Makes sense. That's what gave me the idea. I'm like, what if that was just Helm's Deep? <laughs> <laughs> what if but, Mass Effect, but Helm's Deep? Yep. He's, uh, he, his, his catchphrase uh, when you try to talk to him, but you don't have a conversation to progress, like when he's bored, he calibrates the ship's weapons. Like that's just what he does. Like he's yep. that he's, his equipment is in perfect condition. He's very organized. He's like, he's, he would be great at, at Helm's deep. I think, I think, uh, I think another thing that he specifically brings to the table, um, in this as well is he, 
I mean, at least in the game that I've played, like mm-hmm. admittedly, I haven't played all of it um, into Mass Effect 2, basically, but yep. always keeps us cool, uh, is not easily flustered. Um, no. Even if the tide of battle starts to turn, like he's going to keep his cool. He's going to hold the line like he's not going to panic, is going to follow the plan, stick to the plan, like has that battle sense. Yep. Well, and there's there's a part of the game, you know, with no spoilers, but you end up using your whole team and you just kind of assign them to roles. Mm-hmm. And so like. Uh, there's a part where it's like you have to build a team to hold the line, like and you have to pick a leader for that team. And each character has a different value behind the scenes, but Garrus has some of the highest values for like leadership and defense. Sure. Like, behind the scenes. I can see that. Game. Yeah. So a uh, huge asset to have on the wall. Once the archers realize that he's not some kind of demon elf type thing that they've never, you know, seen. Like I'm assuming everyone speaks the same language in this scenario. Otherwise it's real fucking awkward. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, there's, there's a, uh babblefish or something allowing everyone to speak the same language perfect uh, easy yeah easy uh, so that's that's my sniper what about what about you what do you got well we uh you are on the wall following the orders of your captain as you pull back your longbows and fire away at the oncoming horde you see kind of across the battlements that these large uh ladders are being hoisted for the Urukai to start climbing up the wall um, and you see them start to ascend. Uh, You see this kind of wave of enemies kind of coming up the battlements. As you do, you continue to fire as you kind of watch this oncoming wave before you hear a distinct noise, one that you haven't heard before. A uh, a metallic ka-chunk goes off before you hear a like line spinning out. And you see a blur go across the battlements. And almost as fast as your eyes can track it, you see these ladders get sliced in half uh, before su- an individual swinging up lands on your uh, on your side of the battlements and says, not my first time protecting a wall. And you pan no over way. to see Captain Levi attack on Titan. <laughs> oh, my God. This is uh this is a hell of a fucking pick, Cody. Yeah, I like <laughs> it, right? Ha- this pick has gas. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of gas. Yeah, uh, dude. So again, Captain Levi, uh he is the leader of the Scout Regiment, which isn't exactly the like best pick, I guess, flavor wise, but like if there's one person I want defending my wall, it's definitely Captain Levi. Oh um, uh, yeah. He uh he is incredibly experienced uh using his oh shoot Movement what's gear. it called his vertical maneuvering equipment yep. um which is kind of one of the main things in attack on titan uh, for those of you who haven't seen it they kind of have like a grappling hook like a jet propelled grappling hook type of system that they use to fly around and fight these enormous beings being titan and attack on titan the whole thing yep. and so on a wall scenario i mean he's basically fucking spider-man or better than spider-man right <laughs> like, he's he's a sniper in the sense that he can moon like eliminate single targets very quickly yep and uh hard to hit not because he's stealthy but because he's maneuverable so like he's a sniper in spirit in this scenario because he doesn't Definitely. really have ranged weapons 
I mean, he himself, so he, they kind of use the vertical maneuvering equipment to function as like a long range. I mean, they definitely right. come in close because they use swords for the most part. Right. Um, but like definitely closes the gap very quickly um, and is able to kind of one of the, this is where I was saying where like communication, like if you've got a scenario where there aren't communicators or some kind you know phones whatever some kind of communication along the wall like levi being able to span the battlements back and forth like run messages extremely yep. quickly it to communicate what the strategy is or help where it's necessary uh i mean it's just super valuable there, there's an angle you're not even considering here hit me uh there there's a there's a chirp in his ear as Levi's communicator goes off and uh, Spock's voice says, uh, Levi, one's getting too close to the wall on it. And Levi shoots a grappling hook out and that embeds itself into the shoulder of an oncoming oliphant at Minas yeah. Tirith. It's just attack on Titan, dude. It's just attack on Titan. I know. Holy shit. Oh the, my God. And like any and of the, the trolls swords. that are coming. Oh my any God. Of the, I mean, it's just Attack on Titan. He's their, so their good. Swords, their swords are so sharp. Like, brilliantly sh Like, cutting through metal ladders, no question. Yeah, like, and they, I mean, they literally carry extra blades with them. Like a, like razor a box blade, cutter Like exacto knife. knife style, yep. yeah. And they, when they get dull, they click off the old ones, put on new ones, and they're ready to go. Like, they carry them along with them. Uh, I mean, God, it's so good. Like, mm -hmm. this was like the first, my first pick. First like, pick, first round. Yeah, I was like, okay, well, this is got it, like nailed it. Um, Plus, U.S. voice actor is Matt Mercer, so amazing. Yep, amazing. Love it. We've got Matt Mercer in. We've got uh, Matt Mercer on side, folks. Uh, he also just like again, uh, similar to Garrus, right? Yep. Uh, like has military experience. This isn't his first scenario like this. Like I said before, I mean, attack on Titan, literally one of the major things that the humans do is protect the, the wall. walls that they've, that they've built to separate them from the Titans. Yep. Um, has, uh, is maybe the best example of a character, like keeping their cool. Like he shows almost emotionless. no emotion throughout emotionless. the show. Yeah. Even though he's got like a super sad backstory when they go oh, yeah. into it. But like, oh, yeah. uh, you know, is able to separate that emotion from what needs to be done. Um, again, is familiar with the military tactics and I think will just be incredibly, uh, incredibly useful and incredibly effective uh, defending the wall. Oh, ridiculously. So that's a huge yeah. pick. Uh, what about your artillery? My artillery, <laughs> I have gone a deep cut here. Okay. Uh, as you uh, kind of cut to the the battle raging on, things are uh, escalating and becoming very stressful. Um, you see people operating these like flaming trebuchets or uh, ballista atop the wall, and uh, things are breaking down. Things are going bad. These aren't used all that frequently, right. and. Uh, you uh you're operating your your ballista when you hear a sickening noise as the string snaps and oh, uh, no. the arms kind of go limp uh you see the hordes kind of continuing to approach especially no longer like impeded by uh by your attacks and as you do so uh 
this figure kind of slides in and immediately starts going to work. Uh, new, like stringing up a new string. Uh, you hear her say, uh, "Quit just staring at this and help me pull the arms back." As uh, as you do, she like snaps you back in and says, "You're ready to go," and takes off. And you see nothing but a trail of dust as Audrey Ramirez from Atlantis, the Lost Empire, goes across the battlements to the neck to solve the next problem. Fuck yeah, she does. So God, good. God damn, dude. <laughs> uh, uh, for those of you who uh, might not be super familiar with Atlantis, the Lost Empire, go get familiar because it's so good. We need but, to do an Atlantis episode. Ah, uh, man, I love it. Uh, but Audrey Two for flinching from Audrey. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Audrey is, I believe, the engineer of the group. Um, yep. Is is like her role when they're assembling the the group, but uh, is just super handy. Is uh, the the reason I mostly that I picked her is she has an incredible knack to improvise in any scenario to figure out the way to fix the thing. Like yep. <laughs> to get it back running, to make it effective and to, you know, I really think, especially towards the end of Atlantis, you see Audrey really um, kind of in the trenches, quote unquote, where things are going bad. It's a scenario that she's not familiar with. And she's just like, all right, got to fix like we're going to fix this. Like it, yep. something has to be done and I'm yep. the one to do it. Like, <laughs> like um, steps up is going to do whatever it takes to get, I mean, look at what she does in Atlantis. Like they're underground mm -hmm. and she still keeps this column of basically mechanized infantry yeah. moving like in the field with no resources, scrounging up spares, like resourceful as shit. Super resourceful. Is it going to be able to keep your artillery and your machines of war working, even though it might, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be maybe the way it was or as good as it was, but man, you're going to be firing ballista again, like as soon as she gets there. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, I chose some alternates that were maybe more of the walking artillery, but sure. I, I really liked the idea of having, uh, Audrey in here, like, much more of a mechanic style, like just running around, fixing shit, keeping things operational uh, so that the people on the wall or the people operating these machines can continue to push back the horde. I don't even know how to how to fucking top that. Uh, that's See, I told you before we started recording, I went for the money ball picks and I went for value picks over flashy. You definitely did. Audrey is the value pick. She is. Moneyball all day. Like I, I almost. She is absolutely Moneyball. She's probably Team MVP when it comes down to it. Like yeah. Other than your rescue pick, her siege weapons probably kill most Urukai. Like I mean, I'm. I was so excited. Levi might push that kill count. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we just get the scenes between Levi and Audrey where there's the like Legolas and Gimli. Like they're just counting. Yeah. Yep. Fucking, oh, that's so good. I almost picked, I think Vinny is the demolitions expert from mm -hmm. Atlantis. I almost picked him for my artillery. Well, so um, when I was looking at characters from Atlantis, because I, I had her as an idea, I saw him and I was like, ooh, like, is this where I want to go with this? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. But again, I, I really pictured this role, and this is just kind of maybe the cinematic in me, but 
I, I really like the idea of the struggle being that things are breaking and that it's a stressful environment. And yep. if there's someone I want on my team in that scenario, like to fix things, to keep things moving and to make sure that people are like staying level-headed and right. I to mean, be she's decisive. a massive team player, Yep, just like getting things done, making it work, yep. improvising. Like she's I so good. Yeah. She's, she's so good. She's got the gearhead roll down to a T. Definitely. All right. I think it's my artillery then. Yeah. Uh, cut back to the, uh, cut back to the, the center of the fortress as, uh, Tyrion Lannister receives updates on how the battle is going. And, uh, he looks across the table to a figure that isn't shown yet. All right. It's your time to shine. And, uh, a, a sullen uh, teenage male voice kind of, do I have to? I mean, really? All these weaklings can't fend for themselves. And uh, Tyrion says, look around you. Camera pans around to uh, huddled, old, and, and very young. The, the sick, the wounded are the only ones kind of remaining in the Great Hall. Now is your chance to get out there and be a hero to all these people. Are you really going to waste it? <sighs> Fine, I guess you're right. The camera pans up to a figure clad in garish green and orange. Two large uh, bulbous glove-like uh, protrusions around their wrists, wearing what almost look like hockey gloves with orange palms who begins sprinting down the hallway. When they reach the courtyard, an explosion goes off. And out of the explosion, you can see they've catapulted themselves up onto the wall, landing next to Garrus. All right, bird brain, don't kill them all before I can. And uh, Bakugo Kotsky from My Hero Academia unleashes a torrent of nitroglycerin-fueled explosions on the Urukai front line, scattering plate armored bodies like leaves in the wind no one can see this but i am smiling ear to ear right now this is my favorite i really love this and and i can picture you know he's like he's the kind of character bakugo uh from my hero academia he is a uh all-star phenom teenage superhero he is uh one of the best of the best of his class uh and his powers are that his sweat is nitroglycerin mm -hmm. and he can channel that sweat and make explosions happen or he can shoot them out like projectiles like his, his special move is called howitzer impact and he just shoots an artillery shell basically uh from between his palms dragon ball z style yeah um he is arrogant he is aloof he is cocky but above all else he wants to be a hero he does. And Tyrion is going to get him to defend the wall by playing on that. And so, like, you know, he, he's he's talking with Tyrion. You mean I have to go and fight, too? It's bad enough you made me spend the last two days working out so we could fill those barrels. Like, dude, it's oh, this is so good. Like, <laughs> it's crazy, too, because if there's like you've picked the perfect leader to lead Bakugo, like, yep. it's it's pretty, it's actually kind of insane. Like I, I want to see them together now, which is horrible and awesome at the same time because it'll <laughs> never happen. But like, 
it's it's so fun because their banter together would be incredible but like yep. ultimately like you said i mean bakugo is going to recognize that Tyrion's right and like yep. and that he is Tyrion needed is, Tyrion's going to have bakugo figured out from day one definitely and like they're going to have a conversation and like unlike all might where all might is like don't worry young Bakugo, you're going to be a hero. Like you just got to let go of that anger. Everything's going to be fine. Tyrion's going to be like, you're young, you're hot headed, you're insecure. You're worried that you're not going to leave a legacy. You want to be the best because you never want to be forgotten because you don't know if you really have it in you. Like he's just going to eviscerate Bakugo. Show him he understands. Exactly. Tyrion's not going to tell him to temper his anger. Like all might would. He's going to try. He's going to harness the anger. He's going to be like, Oh, this anger is a weapon and we're going to fucking go to war. (laughs) Yep. And like, and, and and there's going to be like a scene where like Bakugo doesn't even say anything. And like Tyrion knows he has to pump him up. And Tyrion's going to hand him like a shawl that's covered in blood or something. And Bakugo's like, why are you handing me these rags? And Tyrion's like, the Urukai that are heading our way, the army, they raided several villages on their way here. This is one of the few articles we were able to recover. The bodies were all stripped down to the bone, eaten, including the children. And like Bakugo is going to act like he doesn't care, but his internal monologue, he's going to be furious. Like at the fact that he didn't protect those people. Bakugo like goes and takes off and you cut to yep. Garrus looking at Tyrion. He's like, is that true? He's like, no, but it makes a good story. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking, oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Uh, now I got to, uh, anything else about Bakugo or, I, I mean, mean this will be a little long one, but that's okay. We did take away that Bakugo can use those explosions to fly also. Oh yeah, he can, I mean, he can fly by the you way. You mentioned it, but he yep. can use the explosions basically from his hands to propel himself through the air, which is also just fucking great in the tower defense scenario. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's very mobile. Yeah. All right, here's one. Um, the gate shatters inward in a spray of splinters and screeching metal, rivets and, uh, and screws and bolts popping, clattering against the metal walls. A horde of Urukai channels into the small space, the bodies crushing together, plate armor clanking off one another, the screams and roars of these bestial creatures as they finally get the first sign of victory in this gate's collapse. Uh, The misty fog and smoke of the evening pours into the gatehouse itself, and you hear a series of metal clangs and crunches of bone as what looks to be a large flail sweeps through the first rank of Urukai, sending three or four of them to the ground with broken necks and caved-in skulls. Breaking through the smoke, like a beacon of hope, a brilliant blue shield made of energy springs into existence, and you hear a female voice say, Get behind me! As Brigitta from Overwatch stands where the gate was previously, rallying the troops behind her to hold the line, clad in silver and orange-yellow armor, highly futuristic, self-made. This is her chance to be a hero yet again. I love that you picked Brigitte instead of uh, Reinhardt here. Mm -hmm. Big fan. Uh, I definitely thought about Reinhardt 
here. Uh, I went a very different way than you have gone for this one. <laughs> uh, but I do, I do like the idea that, you know, Brigitte is down there in the mud, in the muck, like holding the line and she's a support class in Overwatch. So like, she is a support character. She is helping again, like her ultimate move, like you said, is rally the troops, which mm-hmm. is so such a flavor win, Mike. Like mm-hmm. so good. Thank uh, you. Thank you. But like, yeah, a leader, a leader of people uh is like puts her people first, uh, cares about who she's fighting with and about the cause that they're fighting for. Right. She she just wants to be a hero to follow in her father Torbjorn and her kind of adoptive uncle's footsteps, uh, Reinhardt. Uh, so much so that Torbjorn wanted her to stay home and be an engineer, if I understand correctly. And she basically said, "Nah, I'm not going to sit here and work on stuff. I got to be out there." Yep. Uh, definitely fits the Rohan aesthetic, being a shield maiden. Um, mm-hmm. She is just a total badass. She's a healer in game like her her mechanics are that she's a healer she's a support character yep and she uh i don't know being able to throw down an energy shield and like push the enemy back like well and she she gives as good as she gets also like uh she hits horde yeah hard <laughs> and her flail sweeps out in an area in front of her which is great for clearing a room it's a big flavor win also because it's the exact like style of weapon that we're we're going for here so very mm-hmm. good uh she's I, I I thought of this and I'm like, my first pick, you know, my first thought was Reinhardt. I'm like, but wait a minute though. I think Brigitte would be an even better pick. I do. Just, I think it's a better fit. Yep. Because she's more of a leader than Reinhardt is. Reinhardt is more of a tell me where to go kind of guy. Yep. Brigitte's got the brains and the brawn to back it up. Well, and Brigitte is going to get more out of your, out of her fellow fighters. I feel like than Reinhardt Absolutely. is. Yep. I feel like Tyrion recognizes Brigitte's potential immediately and like doesn't even question it. And like, like they can even have conversations where like Tyrion's like, and Brigitte, you'll go and do this and you, you'll do this. And Brigitte's like, you know, like, why do you, why do you just assume I can do these things? And Tyrion's like, why do you assume you can't? Right. Or like, like that. Why do you assume I can do these? Because you can. Now go do it. Like right. you're capable, you're confident. I'm not going to question it. Now make yourself useful. These people need you. I feel like she plays an important role also in like the planning of like checking Tyrion a bit and like mm-hmm. caring about the people where Tyrion might be willing to like sacrifice people, quote unquote, to an extent. When when he when he wavers, she can definitely be a bit of his moral compass. Yeah. Yep. I like it. I, I thought it was a pretty solid pick. I've gone Plus, way off the rails from this. Go for it. Like so far different. Couldn't be more different. Uh but oh, oh boy. <laughs> we get we get the same this basically the same scene straight out of the movie where uh we cut on one side of the wall and we see the flaming battering ram like slamming into the door, cut inside to see the small group of reinforcements, maybe even too small. That stands mm-hmm. in their way, keeping them out of the uh, out of Helm's Deep and out of the stronghold. You hear nervous breath as you watch from the inside as the battering ram hits. You see the doors bulging and splintering. 
before the last strike hits, the door splintering falls in on its hinges. There's a cloud of dust, and there is a slight moment, pause, quiet, before the horde starts to run through the now destroyed door. And you hear from the back of the uh, of the room these large, heavy footfalls, gauntleted, metal plate kind of scraping against itself, charging forward, gaining speed. And you hear from the back, they're not getting in here because I'm the juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> and he <like>, just <laughs> runs through, clearing a path. <laughs> Oh, I thought about the juggernaut so bad, dude. <laughs> Holy shit, this is a pick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, I've just gone complete brute strength um, and basically indestructible giant human in crazy metal plate um, that is just going to clear out swaths of enemies. <laughs> uh, Zorg says to Unthuk, they've brought a cave troll. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is like... This is just chaos. Um, and, just and tell like, me you don't want to see the juggernaut fight a cave troll. Oh, I want to see the whole thing. I want to see him just like clearing a path through all the, like I want to see like 10 fucking goblins on him and he's just like going nuts, throwing them off of himself, like ripping people in half with his hands. Like, God damn <laughs> it. Pure chaos and this is so brutality. Fucking, this is so fucking cool. <laughs> Oh like, man, I've I've gone much more of a like I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me type of <laughs> <Yep>. vibe. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and Gandalf as the narrator. I remember the moment when the Urukai realized they had fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> like this is very much just like I was waiting until they broke through this door. <laughs> like, <Yep. laughs> pray to God they break through here. <laughs> He's pacing back and forth in the command room with Spock, like. You you promise they're gonna break through, right? They're, you, they're gonna? Yes, <laughs> they're not. They are going to break through at some point. Well, they better, because I'm real fucking excited. If they if they don't, I'm breaking out. <laughs> <laughs> if the battle is going well enough that you need to break out, I will tell you. Rest assured, you will get to spill Uric blood tonight. <laughs> All right, like, pointy. I'll hold you to that. I I just I've gone just completely like there's no strategy here besides big like indestructible powerhouse mm -hmm. big fan I, what's not to like <laughs> i mean this was this is like probably your first the first one you made or after levi maybe uh after levi for sure but i yeah. i did uh immediately just kind of think well like i because i was kind of just thinking like who's who can i pick here who is like indestructible is like going to love to fight like is going yep. to fight till the end, like, like no Hulk matter vibe. what. Yeah, like a Hulk vibe. And yep. I just, I, I love the idea of the Juggernaut in here. So good, too good. <sighs> are we, are we finally at the uh, rescue point? Are we looking to the east? I'm looking to the east. As you do, you see the sun rising, breaking through the clouds and rays of sunshine almost bathing a hill uh, before you. You see a swath of humans, people holding all sorts of weapons uh, as you hear their battle cry and descending down in this single like ray of sunshine onto the hill 
is none other than Sigarda. Ooh, fuck yeah! This is a this is a this is a rough pull, but Sigarda, Flight of Herons, comes Ooh. down, leading the charge of humans to go through, maybe fight above their station and cleanse the ranks, uh, mowing through the last of the troops. Um, Sigarda is from Magic: The Gathering. Uh, so this one may not be super familiar to everyone, but Sigarda is an angel. She uh, she is like a capital A angel, like yes. not a biblical angel, but like a uh, beautiful woman with wings and armor. And uh, looks like she has a scythe. Wields a heron shaped scythe. She loves that aesthetic. Uh, is a sister to a number of other uh, angels in Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sigarda is... Uh, basically, how do I want to put this? A stalwart for good um, yep. and a stalwart for humans in particular, uh, which is kind of what led me to pick her. Um, yep, because I remember you specifically asked, are we humans against Urukai or Oryx? I'm like, yeah, you might as well say that. And you're like, perfect, <laughs> done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, this was exactly kind of where my where my head was at. Um Sigarda is a um, a leader of humans. Uh, people pray to Sigarda and uh, like literally hope for her help and intervention in times of dire need. Uh, she is known for like pushing back the darkness, mm-hmm. um, especially in her home plane of Innistrad, which we've done an episode on. Go listen to it. Hey, um, shameless plug. A shameless plug. Um, yeah. But. Uh, Sigarda again is just like, you know, when I picture the sun rising on that hill and like her card art is literally her is literally with it. the sunrise in the background, like flying over a landscape, hefting her scythe like she's going to war to defend all that is good and innocent. Yes. And and, uh, and she's also an angel. So like <laughs> uh when I love the idea of like the good forces like sweeping in like flanking out the the bad guys the urukai in this case and you just see this angel hauling ass through there like just sweeping with her scythe it's just like clearing out waves of uh of urukai sending them flying and god uh, god i chills. just yeah i love it <laughs> chills um a number of her sisters and and the other angels of Innistrad are uh, become corrupt or fall um, through Innistrad. Sigarda herself, I believe, I mean, spoiler alert for Magic Story, ends up being killed. Yeah. Uh, but which it ain't by no bitch ass Urukai. No, it's by Soren, I believe. Yeah, uh, a, a, a multiversal dragon. So she would mop the floor. With no, the Urukai vampire army. Soren. Oh, sorry. I heard Bolas. I think Soren uh, yeah. kills her. Damn, um, that's cold. Yeah, uh, and I think it's through some some tricks, trickery some and treachery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but ultimately, is never corrupted. Is uh, is again a stalwart of being like perfect and good, and like she herself resembles hope, uh, yep. which is also like part of what I love so much about it. Because what she, do you she's... need more than? On the sunrise oh. of the fifth day, coming over that, yeah. look into the east, like huge. You need and, hope, and not only does she bring her army of humans with her that will literally fight to the death for her, and to do the right thing. 
but she gets the most out of your remaining defenders too. Yeah. I mean, like I just picture like her, like carving with her scythe above the like Urukai crowd, lopping off heads as she flies. And then Levi pulling up next to her mid flight and him saying like, took you long enough or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can I see love it. it. I yeah. love it. Oh, so good. So good. Oh, okay. I'm trying to think. Cause I had this like little monologue earlier today. I was thinking <laughs> about it. This, this is what kind of made me pitch the, you have to explain it as if, we were one of the remainder, like remaining random Lord of the Rings humans. Like, sure. <clears throat> okay. Uh, the sun crests over the mountains to the east. The battle is lost and the light almost looks pale as if it's uh, just a shadow of what an actual sunrise should be. Slowly, it begins to go from white to yellow to orange. Bathing depression the valley in in its sunlight over the communicator you can hear garris say do we see something up there and you look up onto the horizon and you see a speck in front of the sun and that speck begins to grow larger resolves itself into two and then four and then seven a dozen of them flying in front of the sun. You begin to see a glint of what looks like reflection, a bright shining spot on each of these silhouettes as they make their way directly towards Helm's Deep. They resolve themselves into sort of elongated shapes and you begin to hear a crackle over the communicator. Target sighted, friendlies on the walls. You're free to engage. Helm's deep. Keep your heads down. Rogue squadron, fire at will. No, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> and a squadron of 12 X-Wings sweeps down into the valley, opening up on the Urukai, guns blazing, torpedoes firing, cutting a swath through the undefended and exposed ground troops, melting Urukai vaporizing flesh and generally wreaking havoc on this defenseless, unsuspecting army. Cheers from the wall erupt. Yep. Cheers erupt from the wall. And uh and uh Tyrion says, cutting it a little close, weren't you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> God, that's good. God, that's good. Uh for those who don't know. Uh, Rogue Squadron in Star Wars is the Rebellion and later the New Republic's elite squadron of fighter pilots. Uh, they get the best gear, the best ships. They are absolute aces. They yeah, they're are, the best of the best. They are the best of the best of the best. Uh, founded by Luke Skywalker, who then stepped down. Um, I'm imagining this as kind of prime Rogue Squadron, so led by Wedge Antilles, but you have... Uh, you have like Tycho Selku, you have like Gavin Darklighter, you have Corin Horn, you have some of these crazy names from the expanded universe that mean nothing to like nine out of ten of you. Um, I was but... gonna say, wait, do you hear that? Do you hear Mike <laughs> just like flexing on all of you right now? Uh... I love all of you, but um, <laughs> X Wings would uh, just they they kill anything on the ground because ground shit can't touch it. So like. <laughs> 
the reason the rebels struggled at the Battle of Hoth against the walkers was because they didn't have like the X-Wings wouldn't run well in the cold. They couldn't do sustained flight. They would have to get out of the atmosphere. Yep. But X-Wing cannons would punch through those. Like, so. I mean, <laughs> they're any, anything, they're like super useful also, like uh, air to ground. So they're just going to be like, I love the idea of them coming in kind of low and slow. Or mm-hmm. anyway, not low and slow, like coming in fast from the east, the sun like glinting off of them. Yeah, they, they're like closing, getting bigger and bigger, and then you see the moment where they all like almost in unison uh, expand out, and they let yep. their they let their foils out, and so they go into their X, you know, where, yep. where they were together before, yep. and they like slow down so that they can start just like raining destruction. Yep, so good. Yep, I I'm like, hmm, what would what would save the day? Air support. What's the best <laughs> air support I can think of? probably rogue squadron yeah that's very good <laughs> oh i had a lot of fun with this one um <laughs> do we want to do uh honorable mentions i have only one uh, okay that that i feel like needs to be mentioned uh, especially okay. in the interest of time here but again you look to the east yeah. um and uh you start to um maybe just from over the over the hill start to see some glints like of metal in the sun. And we've done Uh, this one. Yeah. Before you hear just an insane nineties guitar riff start ripping off. Mm -hmm. And as you see, this thing is growing larger and larger, still not yet peaking the hill, Mm -hmm. uh, two big horns holding a giant ax. And you hear this guitar going off, uh, and that's when you hear "Go Go Power Rangers," Holy and the Megazord shit. just like crests the hill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, dude, fuck yeah! I love I love a Megazord. Um, <laughs> the other honorable mention I had for the rescue was the Clone Army from Attack of the Clones. They rescue the Jedi in the arena. Yep, I like that. They come in on the gunships and just rain hell. Um, yep. For Gate, uh, defend the Gate. Uh, I almost picked uh toff from avatar the last airbender oh okay i like that a lot uh is a weird mix between like can rebuild the gate i was gonna say but, being the gate <laughs> but but also has a little bit of that you're trapped in here with me energy sure like like toff especially when people. she cuts cuts loose yeah yep uh my artillery was almost tony stark uh yeah just is the artillery again well not not iron and also man. has stark industries um, right yeah like he built the, the iron man suit in a cave with a box of scraps what's he gonna do with a whole castle's worth of resources yeah i like like it. he's gonna make like your your ballista bolts are gonna explode on contact type of shit like earth earth's greatest defender according to cap yep yep earth just lost its best defender but uh, helms deep gained one I had I had one for strategy that my backup uh yeah. not that I, I it was kind of a throwaway backup but I kind of really liked it cuz I knew yeah. you weren't going to pick Spock yep. or at least I had a good feeling. <laughs> uh, you, you might be the only person on earth to appreciate this but I have Artemis Fowl down as my backup <sighs> oh, strategy. Oh my boy Artie. <laughs> God damn he'd be good dude. Yeah. Like big Tyrion energy like yep. ruthless like not afraid to cheat or use underhanded tactics to win. Yeah, super intelligent. Like, yep. Yeah, w- would figure out like a biological weakness to the Urukai and like kill them with it. Yep, love it. <laughs> Damn. 
Uh, for sniper as a backup, I had the sniper from Team Fortress Two. Uh, yeah, uh, just just sniper. Just sniper. <laughs> be polite. Be efficient. But have a plan to kill everyone you meet. <laughs> uh, fucking. I also had uh for the gate. Uh, Reinhardt was an honorable mention, but almost too obvious. Uh, and Kirishima from uh my hero academia as well the guy that can like harden himself into rock yep yep uh another uh, artillery juggernaut vibes by the way yep his whole thing is <laughs> i can take more damage than you can deal right uh along the same lines as audrey from atlantis for artillery would be uh winry rockbell from full metal alchemist brotherhood sure she is the auto mail mechanic she's a brilliant engineer uh same like take no shit attitude and really emotionally intelligent, cares about people. She'd be she'd be a, a fun one. I put uh, my alternate for artillery was Jinx, League of Legends. Huge. I almost picked her, dude. Uh, <laughs> that mechanical was the one... genius, explosives, bombs. Yeah, that was the one I was telling you about. Though was kind of hard to gel with the rest of the team. Like, is definitely like in it for themselves. See, I think Spot gets her to gel by like showing some emotion and being like, like. She wants to be good. She wants to redeem herself. That's fair. Uh, Ender Wigan is always the bridesmaid, never the bride when it comes yep. to strategy or command. Yep. Uh, you know, he was my backup for Thrawn. He's been my backup for Tyrion. <laughs> um, uh, I almost put someone from Stormlight in Shardplate for defending the gate. The Shardplate, Shardblade. Shardplate's just so good. Yep. Yep. I'm trying to think if there were any others. Um, there's a character that I'm going to save for when we do the coldest quotes in fiction uh, that has a really good gate defense or like uh, like last man standing type of quote, but I'll, I'll save that. Plus, it would have overlapped with my rogue squadron and I can't can't overlap. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, any any final thoughts or do we want to No, Let's wanna... uh, let's wrap this thing up. Put a bow. On All it. right, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, good to be back. Life happens sometimes, so thank you all for uh, welcoming Carrie and Jace to the pod last week. Uh, let us know if we missed out on anybody obvious, or if you spot any flaws in our plan, or you think that there are characters that would do the job better. Uh, tell us your picks in the comments. Let us know. Um, and uh, yeah, just give us your general thoughts. If you want to see more of these Build-A-Team episodes, we're happy to do it. Uh, if you want to see less of this stuff, let us know immediately. Um, <laughs> general thoughts, by the way general thoughts um didn't want to interrupt no no appreciate it <laughs> yeah uh we're we enjoy doing this kind of stuff i don't know these ones i think are really fun i love a team builder but if people yeah. if people like it great if they don't only put up with one every once in a while <laughs> yeah let us entertain ourselves <laughs> that's right all right uh next episode will be return of the pod since we just did uh the two dorks <laughs> yeah right on <laughs> Capable of restraining yourself, or do you take pride in being an insufferable no-till? We're gonna have to go right to ludicrous speed.
That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over.